Hello everyone, this is Georgia and welcome back to Safe Tea. We're here today to talk to you about one of the most important laws that may affect your college career, and that is the Indiana Lifeline Law. We all know the legal age for consuming alcohol is 21 and that the use of recreational drugs like weed, for example, is still illegal here in Indiana. But regardless of whether you're a user or not, you're going to encounter other students who do and often use to excess. And as a consequence, they may find their lives are inadvertently jeopardized. When situations like this arise, the Lifeline Law can be, well, frankly, a lifesaver. And with us today, we are fortunate enough to have a panel of experts to tell you about the details of the Lifeline Law and what to expect if it's needed. But first, I want to have Shelby here share her story about how the Lifeline Law made her a hero. So Shelby, too many college stories start like this, students start to party, a good time goes bad in a hurry, and someone ends up getting hurt. Or worse. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your story? Hi, Georgia. Um, so I was a sophomore at Indiana University at the time. Um, I was in a sorority, but we were living um, outside of the um, house. And so all of our sisters, we were kind of living in a um, mutual apartment complex. And so we all shared a common area patio. So our apartments were all linked via this patio. Um, and it was a big weekend at IU. Um, it was Qualls weekend, which leads up to Little Five, which was as some people may or may not know, it's a huge weekend for IU. Um, and so basically um, we were all partying in one of the girls' apartments and just kind of hopping to and from each individual apartment. Um, and I overheard one of the guys run in very suddenly and he looked, he, there was something wrong. You could just tell by the look on his face. Um, and he approached one of my friends and I overheard him say um, that something was wrong with Jenna, my friend. Um, and so out of just natural instinct, I followed and overheard him say that Jenna had jumped out the second story window of her apartment. Uh, so that's really scary. Had <laughs> Jenna been drinking at all? No, actually she had not at all. Um, and so that was honestly more terrifying. And so apparently what had happened was, um, he jokingly went into the apartment, um, trying to just kind of nonchalantly scare her and was like, hey, Jenna, someone's here. And apparently she was in such a deep sleep, she woke up and out of fear of someone breaking into her apartment and coming for her, her first instinct was to jump out the window. It was a two-story window and she jumped onto concrete. Um, and so obviously she needed medical attention immediately. Um, and so we every I mean there was a big group of us because we were trying to decide what to do. My first instinct was to call 911 because of um, Rachel's first week and everything that I know about the Lifeline Law. That was I mean I I don't even think it was a thought. It just immediately that was the only kind of image that popped into my head was Rachel. Um, and so I started dialing and a bunch of the people who were around me. Um, keep in mind it was I mean majority of the people who were there were underage drinking. Um, and so they started to panic and for a while contemplated, it was a lot of arguing about, do we call 911? Do we um, have an ambulance come take her? Do we take her personally? I knew again, be because of the lifeline law on Rachel's first week that we needed to have an ambulance. Um, the risk of transporting her on our, on our, our own was way too high. Um, and I knew, I mean, she had just jumped out of a two story window onto concrete. I was not willing to risk and moving her in any sort of capacity. Um, yeah. And so 
We, I called 911. Someone actually, after I had gotten the information, I, all I got to the operator was my friend just jumped out the window. Someone grabbed my phone out of my hand um, and hung up. And um, I obviously got very frustrated. Um, basically said, if you are afraid of getting in trouble, then you need to leave. This is a matter of life and death here. We don't know how severe this is. Um, and so I called again the operator. Um, I was able to get a hold of the original operator and they immediately sent out um, emergency personnel and they were there within minutes. Um, we basically, they evaluated um, Jenna's situation. So I have a couple questions. Sure. Why did you think that moving her was a bad idea? Just because with the lifeline law, we've always been told, um, and with Rachel's first week, we always um, talk about how important it is to let emergency personnel to take over and the risks of moving someone, especially in that situation, knowing that she had just jumped out of a two-story window. Um, I did not know how fragile her body was at that point, and I am not medical personnel, so I don't have the um, education to make that decision. Um, and so I just felt that was not my place. Smart cookie. <laughs> I tried to immediately, I was speaking with the officer who was present and to give him my information and he immediately stopped me and said, I appreciate um, your willingness to give me your information, but to be completely honest, that is not our priority right now. Our priority is making sure your friend gets to the hospital um, in a timely manner and safely. That's that's great to hear. Yeah. What, what about the other partiers? Did anything happen to them? Um, on, to be completely honest, I don't really remember majority of them sticking around as soon as I grabbed the phone um, back out of their hand um, because they were, again, afraid of getting in trouble. Um, and again, like I said, the officers made it very clear that they were not there to get anybody in trouble. They were there for the safety of all of us, but most importantly for my friend. It's a really great story, Shelby. I really can't help but believe that you saved her life and she was lucky to have you around. This story is a perfect example of why the Lifeline Law actually works. And now I'd like to introduce our expert panel. First off, I have Senator Jim Merritt, who is the author of the Lifeline Law. Then we have Jill Lease, who is the Chief of Police at IU Bloomington campus. And Stacey William, who is the Director of Indiana Student Legal Services. So my first question is for you, Senator Merritt. In reviewing your legislative activities since you were elected, it's really clear that you have a heart for the vulnerable and those in need such as victims of sexual assault or those suffering from addiction and or mental illnesses. Uh, one of the laws, as I mentioned, you authored is the Lifeline Law. What kind of is the essence of that law and what was your motivation to write it? Well, thank you very much for having me on the show. I, uh, I always enjoy talking about the Lifeline Law and it, <clears throat> it was uh, actually uh, created by students, uh, but the impetus or the, the uh, catalyst for this to occur was the the death of a an individual who was in a, a social situation, and uh, uh, and he had uh, consumed way too much alcohol, and everyone when he fell down, uh, everyone at the party the, the social occasion uh, left fled for their own um, for their own uh, benefit, and it it uh, there was a lot of fear. And I, I truly believe that we needed a situation where we would be able to um, suggest to individuals, kids, to make good decisions. And thus, we wrote the law. And uh, I ask um, uh, six uh, student body presidents from around Indiana, uh, the individuals who actually had asked me to think about and write this, this law, 
and uh, and and it turned it's turned out saving uh, probably at least 55, 60 lives so far. And um, the essence of this law is that uh, and and students came in and helped me write the bill, and they testified on the on the bill, passed it in the law, not a no vote in either House or Senate committee or floor action. And uh, Governor Mitch Daniels signed the bill into legislation. And what it says is that if you're on a social occasion, at a social occasion, or in a situation where someone is in need of medical attention because of uh, uh, over um, consumption of alcohol beverages, uh, you have the ability to call 911 and describe the situation, or text 911 for that matter, and, uh, and, and get help. Uh, the individuals who stay and cooperate have immunity. The caller has immunity. And it's, um, it's, it's saved many lives in the last eight or so years. It's a wonderful law, and I'm glad we have it. Thank you. Chief Lees, you're next. Um, I understand that in your 26 years of law enforcement, you've also functioned as both a police chaplain and a hostage negotiator. I'm sure that background has really influenced your approach to uh, college students. <laughs> we all know it's hard uh, to call 911 for a student in need, especially when you've been partying yourself. We also know that statistically, only 10% of college students who encounter a fellow student pass out at a party actually make that call. What is your approach to students who have been consumers of alcohol yet act on behalf of other students in need? Would you say that the IUBPD response to Shelby is characteristic of how the lifeline law is employed? Um, yes. Uh, so as, as a police officer, our first approach is obviously the medical treatment for the student or the person in need. Um, that is the absolute top priority. Um, we respond to those cases with EMS, lights and siren. We definitely, that's our focus, is getting that, that critical care that they need. Um, as far as the, the students who called, um, we definitely want to show them that, hey, we're here to get information to make sure that that person has the best care. You know, we want to know you know, what they consumed, what span of time, and, and all of that important information that EMS so critically needs um, in order to make their medical evaluation. Um, and I think this is very typical of how IUPD would respond to these types of um, circumstances, especially in this story around Little 500 weekend um, and Qualls. We definitely know and we constantly message uh, the Lifeline Law, not only for new students coming into the university or anytime we have any safety presentations, but we definitely go around and constantly message that during these big weekends like that um, because it's very important that we know that there's going to be gatherings and there, there might be alcohol involved, obviously, so we want to make sure that students are calling. They're calling on behalf of that person in need because this could be and definitely is a you know, life and death situation in many cases. Um, so again, you know, IUPD is obviously a police department, but we are definitely a resource for students in need. Um, and we work very closely with our legal partners um, at Monroe County Prosecutor's Office. And you know, the overall philosophy is just getting that student the medical attention and care that they need. But the key that's so important in this law is cooperation, is staying on scene and, and you know, just cooperating with all the authorities. That's great to hear. And um, it's awesome that, that as a department you have that, that philosophy. 
Ms. Williams, as director of IU Student Legal Services, you work with students who end up with drinking tickets or even spending the night in jail for underage consumption. Exactly what is the significance of a drinking ticket and what are the long-term effects going to be of having one on your record? Well, that's a great question and thanks, Georgia. Um, that's a good way to describe a lot of what Student Legal Services does um, at IU and at lots of other institutions throughout the country. Student Legal Services meets with students and, and helps them through um, a variety of situations. Um, we advise a lot of students on drinking tickets and minor drug possession charges. And it is significant um, that students are, you know, when they're facing a, a criminal charge like this because it's a crime. Um, and so we always emphasize to, to our clients that they need to take these charges seriously. That said, um, for most students, a drinking ticket will not have a long-term impact on their lives. A lot of students face these types of charges, and while we don't certainly encourage it or take it lightly, um, it is something that most students are going to be able to get past. In the immediate um, impact, it feels like it's going to, it, for a lot of students, they're going to lose a lot of what they've been working so hard to achieve. But the drinking tickets that most of our students deal with when they're in school, by the time they're, you know, out of school, a year or two past that, they can get past that um, pretty easily. Drinking tickets are, are typically charged as misdemeanors in Indiana. Um, the, the charges um, that folks are immune from under the Lifeline law are, for the most part, misdemeanor charges, which, which are lower-level offenses. And in Indiana, there's a program that has been approved for county prosecutors to put in place um, in Monroe County, where Indiana University Bloomington is, it's called Pretrial Diversion Program. Um, I know that there are programs like this all over the state of Indiana and all over the country and talking to my other student legal services colleagues at other institutions. And these programs allow first-time offenders, a lot of, you know, freshmen, sophomore, undergraduate students will be charged with illegal possession or public intoxication. If they're offered pretrial diversion, they can avoid a conviction or other more serious consequences. There are ways to get past these charges, and we talk to our student clients about their various options um, all the time. So we just always encourage them to, to think about what's most important when they find themselves in these situations. You know, is it the shorter term impact of having a criminal uh, record um, or is it someone's um, safety and their need for critical care? During our live college safety program, Rachel's first week, we asked students to share their questions about the Lifeline Law. I have a sampling of those questions directly transcribed from the student attendees that I would really like our panel to address. So number one, can a group be protected by the Lifeline Law if all of them are trying to help someone or is it only the person who calls 911? Absolutely. The, the individual calling or texting 911 has the immunity along with the individuals attending the party or the social occasion have immunity. They need to stay and cooperate. And I think from a law enforcement perspective, again, it's our overall philosophy of making sure our top priority is to get the person the medical assistance that they need and also finding out those key pieces to help EMS and to help render the best medical care. Do all colleges in the state of Indiana recognize the Lifeline Law? No, they don't. Uh, I've been on most college campuses. I think we have like 89 in the state of Indiana, and we, we put together a... Uh, 
uh, a make good decisions awareness campaign where everybody would know. And because of federal funding with public universities and different situations, uh, some universities uh, play along, if you will, uh, but don't endorse it. Other universities, other colleges are in solid support. So it's a mixed bag. I thought it might be important to clarify underneath that question that even though I think Senator Merritt is right that not all <clears throat> universities and colleges recognize it and, you know, give it and take it seriously, they're still subject to the state law. You know, if you're a student on that campus, there you should be get the same protections, whether you're on IU's campus or a school that doesn't recognize this law. Do you know if there is a lifeline law in every state, or is that just something we have here? Uh, there is. There are lifeline laws uh, in in a lot of states, most states around the country. Uh, I think Indiana is, has benefited from the fact that we spent a lot of money through the last five six years in in um, in the way of contacting individuals uh, via every social uh, media outlet, and and we have uh, really made make decisions. Uh, awareness campaign quite prevalent around the state of Indiana. Is law enforcement well-versed in the Lifeline Law here in Indiana? Um, I would like to answer that, Georgia. Absolutely. Um, I've spent the majority of my career in, in a municipal agency as a, in a suburb of Indianapolis, and I remember when it was, you know, became a law, and as a law enforcement officer, definitely well-versed on that. But I think what you find in a, in a municipal-type setting, it's the you know, it's not applied as much as it would be on a college campus. But but I can honestly say that police officers, at least from my perspective, um, are versed in that and understand the importance of why it was written and how it can be applied in any type of setting. And in the um, in my instance, when I utilized the law, um, I can surely say that the officers who were there to help us, even if they weren't, um, kind of educated or well-versed with the law, they made it very clear that their priority was to help my friend and was not to get me or anybody else, for that matter, in trouble. And it was extremely refreshing to hear. I and think that's wonderful. Shelby, if I could ask a question. Yeah. Um, that occurred at an off-campus location, correct? correct? So yes. uh, was it a dual response between BPD and IUPD? Yes, I believe so. Okay. Um, because I remember I actually was in the transport with my friend and ended up staying with her the entire night um, throughout the hospital. And the officers actually came to the hospital with us um, to ensure that the uh, patient was, I mean, protected to every extent, which was also extremely reassuring. Um, and even when I tried to give the doctors my information, they just reassured me that they were not there to get me in trouble. They were not there to take my blood alcohol levels or anything like that. Um, they were just there to provide any necessary um, treatment to my friend. Well, that's good. And, yeah. and many times it's not uncommon for us to dual respond to off-campus right. locations, especially if they're close to our campus jurisdiction, because sure. we can obviously you know, help with the IU resources from our side, um, but also, you know, yeah. uh, be a resource as well with BPD. Right. And I mean, for me personally, that experience was a great, um, kind of paved the way for the rest of my college experience and provided like a really safe environment for me personally, but also for everybody involved, because I think they were surprised at how willing and forthcoming the officers were when it came to helping 
my friend and not to getting us in trouble because there's such a stigma around that that I don't think is very true. And that's what we constantly try to message at IUPD, yeah. but you know that students are skeptical yep. of that, right? Yep. Um, yeah. And we make, you know, we definitely make it a very, you know, pointed conversation with them. And especially around Little 500 Weekend, Absolutely, you know, yeah. we know students are going to drink or we right. know that there's going to be gatherings off, on or off campus. And we really try to push that point home of Absolutely. trust us when we say we're most concerned with um, you know, getting the medical attention. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so I have a little scenario. Let's say I'm a college student, I'm hosting a party, someone's passed out, and another person besides me calls 911. Am I going to get in trouble for throwing the party? And then what if you are the host of the party and the one who calls? It's all about cooperation. It it's, it's, uh, doesn't really make a difference of who calls or texts. I want to bear down on texting because if you're at a party and you're calling someone and you're a, a college student, they don't use the telephone for that purpose. <laughs> no, they don't. So it kind of, they're trying to be as, as uh, confidential as possible. And so, no, it's, it's anybody that who is willing to cooperate and stay is, uh, it, it has the immunity. And, 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 and it's, it's absolutely correct with Officer Lee said. Police officers really don't want to make the arrests. They want to help the individual who's got the problem because it could be a life-ending um, or saving situation. Absolutely. And, you know, from the law enforcement side, you know, safety is the biggest concern and issue. And we're there to try to mitigate, you know, all the risks involved. Um, there again, just to to repeat what Senator Merritt said, it, it's it's the cooperation and, you know, making sure that people do either call or text and something that I'm always promoting also on the IU campus is our new safety app, which we've instituted, I think, after you graduated. Um, but we do have what's called a Rave Guardian app. And there is a feature on there that's a um, text, a tip via text to IUPD, and it's completely anonymous. Now, it is not, it is not to replace 911. It's not like I'm going to text and I just know they're going to automatically show up or handle it. But I get an alert, and I'm on my phone 24 hours a day, basically. But if I'm sleeping and something like that comes in, I mean, it's still so important to contact 911. But if you know there are risky situations or different things that you're not quite sure of that you want to alert IUPD, that's an awesome way to do it. And again, it's the Rave Guardian app, and you can get that in the App Store and all students should download it. It has many, many features that I could have my own podcast on. <laughs> but for today's purposes, you can definitely, students don't want to make themselves out there. They want to be the anonymous and is truly anonymous of sending that information through that app. So let's say you're the host and you have people underage that show up. What kind of liability is there for you? Well, I'll speak to that, Georgia. Um, we can, um, as the host of a party, face additional charges beyond public intoxication and the types of charges we've been talking about. Um, and we always talk to students about hosting a party as being a risky proposition because when you're hosting, you're busy and you have all your friends there, maybe they bring some friends and it's very easy to lose control and, and, um, not really have any idea of, of who's at your party. And when you're talking about student parties and, you know, a bunch of young folks coming in with their friends, there may be some folks who are underage. 
There may be people bringing substances into the party that perhaps you weren't anticipating. And so as the host, um, if you are 21 and over, you want to make sure that there's someone who is checking IDs at the door. You want to put some controls in place there to help avoid that type of, of responsibility because you can be charged um, not only with um, potentially other um, alcohol um, and the criminal offenses, but you can certainly be charged with providing alcohol to minors if there are underage people at the party, if folks are bringing in <clears throat> illegal substances like marijuana and other drugs, you can be charged with maintaining a common nuisance. And those charges can go up to more serious felony level charges. So just generally when you're hosting, it's a good idea to plan those carefully to make sure that you have people you trust helping you watch the door and to keep an eye on generally what's happening at the party to avoid that type of, of liability. Does the Lifeline law allow parents to be punished for hosting parties? No, there's no, there is no um, uh, mention of uh, parental participation in the Lifeline. It's it, the, the Lifeline law really centers on underage drinking and in situations where we're trying to get help as soon as possible. What are the laws in Indiana for having open containers in the car if someone over 21 possesses them but isn't actually the individual driving. Well, this, th that really doesn't have anything to do with the, the lifeline law at all. Um, underage drinking is still against the law under 21, and a container or not. And I would uh, really stress that those under 21 uh, that uh, are consuming alcohol in a car not to do so. Yeah, I was just going to add to what Senator Merritt said, that in Indiana, the open containers are not allowed in a vehicle um, out on the open road. So whether you're 21 or not, you're not supposed to have open containers of alcohol in your, in your vehicle. And then I was just gonna add to that in regards to the law itself of, um, you know, an open container means that it has been opened, it has a broken seal, and obviously some of the contents have been removed too. So that's important, I think, to clarify when people are like, well, what does this mean? You know, what is an actual open container and how does that, how would that affect me? Next question is, what exactly is minor transportation? I can address this, and it, it kind of is a good follow-on to the last question because it has to do with um, transporting alcohol uh, in a, on a public roadway. This law um, prevents or makes it illegal for someone who is not 21 to transport alcohol, even if they have people who are over 21 in the vehicle with them. So if you have a friend who is 21 and they want you to give them a ride to the local liquor store so that they can get another case of beer, which they will purchase legally, but you're driving the car and you're 19, you can be charged with illegal transportation of that, of that alcohol. Um, there are exceptions in this law for if it's your parent, if you are a minor and your parent, you drive your parent to the store or a guardian to get alcohol you're not going to be charged. But if it's just your friend, someone you're not related to, and you are driving and you're not 21 and they pick up alcohol, you can be charged with illegal transportation. You'll probably also be charged with illegal possession of alcohol. And your friend could be charged with providing alcohol to a minor. So that's minor transportation. Oof, so it's definitely not something we want to do. <laughs> no. <laughs> we tell people to be careful with that one. All right. Yeah. That, that's a good one. I'm glad we, glad we brought it up. What if you're too drunk to talk to the first responders when they arrive? Can you get in trouble? 
No, you can't. You have if if you're the caller or someone that's a a, a part of the group that are staying and cooperating. Uh, no, you have absolute um, immunity. That does that won't say that the law enforcement officer won't help you, or the EMS <laughs> person <laughs> will help you. Uh, I I, uh, uh, I I think that if you're a party and someone becomes too inebriated and nine one one is called, uh, you have immunity. And I would like to add to that yeah. too. If you might be the one <laughs> that needs assistance, <laughs> if you you know really, and that's what law enforcement's there to recognize, you know, and then act and render aid if, you know, that person is is too inebriated to, to talk or to be able to to help the situation. You know, the world's changed a lot and since I was a kid. And uh, police officers aren't just enforcing the law. I, I, I think police officers are almost like social workers and, and they're trained in lots of different ways. They have demands upon them that are completely different than our uh, you know, our grandfather's police officers. And and uh, and in this situation, when when they're put in into a, uh, you know, saving a life, that's all they're really concerned about. So my final question, does the Lifeline law cover people smoking weed or using other drugs? Uh, no, it doesn't. The uh, Lifeline law uh, focuses on alcohol and the inebriation and the over being served by um, alcohol. Uh, I have worked for the last eight years to to um, uh, to to have it covered by uh, any situation that comes into that's threatening a life, and uh, and as well as the person who is in need of medical attention doesn't have that immunity. They might be able to get to it. There are anecdotal stories I can I can talk all day long about uh, the individual who. Was uh, was way too inebriated and, uh, and and fought the police. Well, they gave her a ticket, and then a month, short month later, she was trying to apply to nursing school. And there's a question on the nursing school application about uh, if you've been convicted of a of a of a misdemeanor or some other crime. And so we have to be very very careful. And, and the second um, uh, point that I want to make before we stop today is that a lot of times uh, on IU's campus, among many other campuses, that uh, individuals live in a fraternity or a sorority situation, and um, and and it's not urban lore. It's it's actual happened where it, uh, kids will instead of calling from or texting from uh, the fraternity house. They will go to a bus station or a bus stop, if you will, and and uh, call nine one one, put the individual on a bench, and wait for the police or EMS to come uh, to render help, and then sneak away because they don't want to get um, their fraternity or the sorority or whatever they're representing in trouble. And uh, and and so there's a push, incredible push against. Uh, kids not to use the lifeline law because a lot of people either wouldn't understand it because of training or because their uh, higher um, uh, fraternal board. There are a lot of situations that you can't write into law. And But I have been working for the last eight years to give immunity to the person who is in need of medical attention because just think about it. Uh, I've got a friend who is writhing on the floor. Well, I don't want to get him in trouble. He may just sleep it off. 
and um, and and uh, we want to save lives, and we'll work out all the particulars later. And I would agree with that as well, because when we show up and apply the law and arrive on scene, we don't know just looking at the situation, was it alcohol, was it another drug, was it a mixture of different things? I mean, we're going to act and get that person medical attention, and then again, sort out the details later, but yet we don't want to prevent people from calling 911. And I think that's really important. It's that overall philosophy of knowing that we're going to be there to help this person or whoever needs help. I do want to kind of wrap up um, basically the situation that happened with Jenna. She was, thanks to the Lifeline Law and law enforcement in Bloomington, um, able to safely graduate um, from Kelly School of Business on time. Um, she was not able to finish that year um, at the school, but she was transported home and safely able to do so from the comfort of her own bed. Um, and she um, is now working full-time job actually in New York and is extremely successful. And without the Lifeline Law and law enforcement, that would not have been possible. Well, and I'd like to, to comment on that because we always say at IUPD that we wouldn't be here if it weren't for the students. So our number one priority is student success. And we, we always talk about that anytime we talk about our safety messaging is the fact that we want students to, after four years, six years, or however many years they spend at Indiana University, to walk away with that degree, walk away with what they need to be successful. And that's something that's very important to all of us. Yeah, Shelby, I would just like to thank you for how you responded to the situation. I, I can't imagine um, how difficult that must have been. But after meeting and talking with students about situations like this for 18 years, I like hearing this kind of story. And I know that that you were a good um, example for your friends that night. And I, I just thank you for being outspoken about it and for carrying this message forward example for other other young folks. So before we close, I have one more special guest. Hi, Jenna. Hey, Georgia. Jenna, what do you recall about that night? Honestly, I, I don't really remember much. Um, I just remember that, you know, the police showed up. Um, I believe the EMS or like the, the paramedics showed up and Shelby was there. I just woke up in the hospital and my back was really hurting. Oh, that sounds terrible. How did your injuries affect your college career? Yeah, um, you know, in the short term, I, I had to take the rest of the school year off. Uh, it was really hard because everybody else was moving along in their college career and I was trying to, you know, having to rehabilitate from, from an injury. Um, but my friends were really supportive, my family was really supportive, and luckily I was able to make it through and re remarkably I, I graduated on time. I'm so impressed with your drive that allowed you to graduate on time. That's really incredible. Is there anything else you would like to tell our safety listeners? Yeah, if it hadn't been for the Lifeline Law, things could have ended up much worse for me. Um, you know, make the call. It's really important. It does save lives. And other people have been helped by the Lifeline Law, and it's allowed them to get medical care as soon as possible. So when in doubt, just make the call. You'll save a life. That's good advice. Thank you. Thank you. So thank you so much to our expert panel for explaining the Lifeline Law and all the protection that it affords. This has been a really incredibly informative opportunity. And remember everyone, at the end of the day, the cost of an ER visit or an ambulance ride is nothing compared 
to someone's life. Safe Tea is brought to you by Rachel's First Week. Executive producer, Mike Wilson from Airborne. Sound engineer, Ben Vodder. And a very special thanks to Healthcare Initiatives for their sponsorship of this podcast. Healthcare Initiatives, Inc. is an Indianapolis-based private foundation supporting the advancement of human health and well-being. Visit us on Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram, and Twitter at hashtag Rachel's First Week. Don't forget the A in Rachel, spelled R-A-C-H-A-E-L. We want to hear from you, so contact us at rachelsfirstweek.org. Don't forget to subscribe now so you don't miss a single episode of Safe Tea. This is Georgia signing off. See you next time.